peace, love, and fucking butterflies. It's your girl, Juanita, <laughs> and most of you may know me from TikTok. So when I first was getting started, a lot of you guys were like, you need a podcast. And like I said, I've been listening to all your suggestions, trying to answer questions and keep up with the comments to the best of my abilities. So today is one of the young ladies who commented under what type of topics would you guys like to hear on the podcast? We got Miss A.V. from Detroit, and I'm going to let her go into what she wanted to talk about. First of all... We've already adopted Juanita as like our TikTok auntie. So Auntie Juanita, we love you on TikTok. We appreciate you for creating such a cool community for us. It's a lot of ghetto girls that have good vocabulary that are able to enunciate and that can talk that game just like the best of them. So we appreciate you over here. But I am Avi the PR. I am an author. I am obviously a public relations professional. I have had my own podcast for the last four or five years. It is an award-winning podcast. I'm an award-winning spoken word performer. Okay. Um, I do a lot of work for my community. I am a multi-certified emotional intelligence coach and practitioner. So I focus a lot of what I do on building better businesses from the inside out. We can't be the best in Black business if we're not the best of our Black selves. And they're not going to give us the tools that they've given everybody else. I was one of those, like, serial workers. Like, I will get fired from a job and be like, so, <laughs> resume, new job, <laughs> let's start. And I was always in orientation. I always had to take customer service training because I was only there for the first few weeks. So... <laughs> What I realized is the difference between our businesses and their businesses, it does not matter what level you are going to in that company, you're going to start in that customer service course because they have a basic service and standard for their company. There are basic protocols you have to follow. So I realized that's how we got to be in our community, not just our business, in our community. We got certain stuff that we got to do certain stuff that we got to follow, certain emotions that we have to feel, process, work through, and move past it, or we're going to be stuck and broke, and I don't like being either one of them. <laughs> Let me tell you, because this is a big thing, right, and I'm glad you turned, used the term emotional intelligence, because a lot of us are just completely unaware of what that actually is. Now, I came across a post on TikTok, and the young lady was talking about the EQ, so somebody did a stitch and I'm hoping it was a joke, but they were like, it's not an EQ, it's an IQ. And we're like, no, there's, there's degrees of separation. <laughs> and it's like the, the fact that they're so unaware of what it is, is a big thing. Like we kind of set ourselves at the code switch, but we don't realize how many levels is involved in that. And that's something that I have to teach my children. You know what I'm saying? Raising black boys, and I got hood niggas. You hear me? Okay. <laughs> as much as the world wants to put a stereotype on that, they overlook the fact that some of that shit is our culture. And, and that's just it. it. We're not ghetto. It's just um, our culture. And I don't want my kids to have to apologize for that. But I do want them to be able to thrive in different situations. And I didn't realize as a child where I was being set up to be versatile. They never used the term code switching. Uh, something that was going on, and I was like, Ma, they joking on me about this. She said, Tell them you're versatile. And I'm like, oh, Okay, so <laughs> you know, That's right. and then you got to see it in your children and start to plant those seeds 
so they can be equally, you know, ready to go in certain situations. And that's right. But something going back to that EQ, it's funny that you mention that because um, a lot of people aren't aware that Forbes, the money magazine of all money magazines, they have done multiple articles about how companies are no longer looking for IQ. They don't care how smart you are. They want to know how you're going to handle their customers, how you're going to handle their billion dollar accounts how you're going to run their company so that you're not running their employees away. They don't care about how smart you are anymore. How do you connect to people? Right. How do you connect to yourself to be able to connect to people? And that's all that emotional intelligence is. I made a TikTok that said, emotional intelligence does not mean that I won't punch you in your face. It just means that I know why I balled my fist up, cocked it back and swung on you. Like, I just know why, that's all. Yeah. you gotta yeah. know the why yeah I love that I love it because they want you or it seemed like at one point in time in the workforce they wanted you to separate yourself like the customer is always right and they're not they yeah, just not, not. <laughs> period you know what I'm saying and then you get to these spaces where you gotta go into fuck this job so if you're dealing with a human so let me give you this I can get another job like you said I was also a serial worker you know what I mean? And then they kind of shifted in the workspace. Like, oh, no, we're not going to just deal with anybody's shit to keep the doors open. Exactly. No, you have to operate in a certain energy or vibrational space to be up in here. You exactly. know what I'm saying? So I'm here for that. And then you got to, it also opens up two doors because it opens up the door for you to check where you are human compared to where you are professional. And it also allows you to kind of take a step back and realize they're human too. What are they going through? What what's what's going on in your life, boo? You need a hug. Because I can tell you, I was 18 years old, I was managing a boutique, and I had just got fired from the job I had for like two years. I was working at DSW since I was like 16. So by the time I was 18, it was my graduation and my prom. They had me scheduled to work at DSW. I said, oh, yeah, y'all can go ahead and fire me because I ain't coming. You know how much money my mama spent on this dress? Baby, listen. Or if I'm coming, I'm wearing this dress. So yeah. you decide. <laughs> so that same weekend, I ended up getting fired. I went to the mall to go shopping to make myself feel better. One of my dad's childhood friends had a boutique in that mall. She was like, what you doing here? I'm like, retail therapy. I got fired. She was like, you know what? I was just getting ready to hire some new people. So I ended up going into this job and how it separated me from any other job. She taught me like, hey, you got to talk to these customers because sometimes they're going to come in and you're not going to understand why they're not talking to you, why they're not responding, even though they're here to buy clothes. Mm -hmm. I thought about it. It didn't click to me until one day. This one lady would always come in the store. She was so rude, or at least I thought she was rude. I would say hello. She wouldn't say hi back. I would ask if she needed help. She wouldn't respond. I used to be like, well, lady, mm. so... <laughs> One day, I think I just, I gave her a compliment. Like, I really like your sweater. I didn't ask her if she needed help. I didn't say hello, nothing. I just was like, I really like your sweater. She started boohooing. I mean, face flushed red, tears bawling out of her eyes. I'm like, Why? I don't like your sweater. What's wrong? What happened? It's ugly. I'm 
like, you just don't understand. I'm never nice when I come in here. I never speak. I, I'm always in such a nasty mood. I come into y'all's store because y'all got such pretty clothes, but everything else that I go through, nothing is pretty about my life. That's why I like the pretty clothes. I'm like, baby, what's wrong? Talk to me. Now, remind you, I'm 18. I don't have a lot of life experience. Don't get me wrong. My father was a drug dealer and a bank robber and a kidnapper. So he went to prison while I was young, came out. He was still the man. So I had like that experience growing up in the hood, but I didn't have anything. And I was an only child. So mm -hmm. I didn't have any experience with other people's problems. So when she came to me with this, I'm like, what's wrong? She said she was in an abusive relationship. He never gave her compliments. Anytime she bought something new, he would treat her like she stole something from him. She, he had snapped, like literally ripped clothes off of her like the stepsisters did Cinderella. Like, it was so sad. I started crying. I was like, why don't you ever say anything? She's like, I just, I don't think I'm worthy of conversation at this point. Baby, I said, hold on. Let me stop you right there. For one, looking at you, you are absolutely beautiful. From your conversation, you're extremely intelligent. Hell, that's two things going for you to half the population ain't got. It's some ugly, stupid-ass people here. Yeah. She took that and she laughed a little bit. We talked a little bit more. That particular instance helped me realize that everybody's not an asshole just to be an asshole. Some people really got some stuff going on. And if you can be human enough to realize that you're human in that moment when you're getting upset, you can be human enough to realize what you're going through. You want to talk about it before I spaz out on you? Because let's take this opportunity to talk about it before I got to be about it. Because that's what emotional intelligence is. Let me tell you, I used to work at the and it is just some, it's just a whole other world. And so do we always joke on the employee side that there's a such thing as airport brain. People literally walk in the airport and just get dumb, right? But we don't account for the right. We don't account for the fact of how stressful it is because your plane gonna be delayed. You no know, they gonna be back the fuck up. You're human. Like I bought my son a plane ticket out of the wrong city. He's like, they won't let me through TSA. I'm like, why? I bought the ticket. <laughs> Like, cause mom, two states over. Like, I gotta. It's a few TSAs I gotta go through. <laughs> and thank God I was able to correct it. But like, all the times when I had certain people in my line, of course, productivity and getting people out the way is one of the biggest things they push. But people get to me and they just start bearing their soul. You know, I bought this plane ticket because I'm going to a funeral, and I'm like, okay, deep breath. Like, and I have a mental health background, so we we in here doing therapy at this point. Okay, well, you need to come on, come on and do what? This person is falling apart. You gonna send them through TSA? <laughs> you gonna send them back? So you, let's work this out now. <laughs> yes, like you see so much stuff, and you're just like, Ooh. and I was working at a restaurant, right? And I don't have a lot of food service background, but I was I like the vibe of this place, and you know the world's going through this shortage of employees. I got time. Let me work here. I can do my poetry and, you know, just be in that space. It wasn't about the money. So this lady comes in and they told me to seat them like at a two seater. And she's like, oh, we got more people coming. And it was kind of rude, but it didn't, it didn't grab me. So I'm like, okay. So the owner was like, well, she rude. I'm like, yeah, but I didn't pay it no mind. So as the whole time I'm serving her, I'm realizing this is a lot embedded in who she is. Whatever the world has done to her, baby, she giving it back. And she was the older lady, I'd say about 50. And I was like, I'm not taking this personal. You need another drink? 
Because <laughs> this got about 55 years of stuff that ain't got nothing to do with me. So no. I'm going to call it on that. Yeah. So you also got to be in that space where you just take shit and let it roll off your back. You know what I mean? Because before I started healing, I was a bitter, broken person. And I had family members, honey. We would do family functions and they would just treat me like nothing was up. Because that's who she is and how she gonna be until she deal with her shit. Hey, Juanita, you want something to drink? I do. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) But it's just that light and that mindset that you're not gonna feel my joy. If you wanna process it, you know I got you. If you don't, I'm gonna have me some fun. Okay. (laughs) Period. So it was like it's good. It was good for me to be on the other side of that, where I was giving the world my shit. But people were not excluding me because I was angry or I had an attitude problem. You know what I'm saying? My world excluded me. And I'm glad they did, though, because the people that I had connected with before I started healing, before I started realizing where I was broken, a lot of us were trauma bound. Talk about it. Okay. We were so trauma bound and I thought these girls were my sisters. I thought these boys were my bros, but no, we were all just sad, broken and hurting in different places. And we thought that we could feel different parts of each other. And we did temporarily until the other parts start cracking because it's still some shit we ain't. All right. Go ahead and finish what you were telling me. That's the hallway. I met this girl on the day that one of my best friends in the world died in a car accident. And I mean, this was traumatic for me because this was my first friend that I had lost as an adult. Not only that, I had literally talked to him an hour before the car accident. So he was on his way to some girl house. I guess he had went there and left. And as he was leaving a drunk driver, I don't know if they didn't see him in front of them, but they never hit the brakes. I mean, ever, ever, never hit the brakes. Pushed them through traffic into a meet. Like, it was bad. So I was, like, really messed up this day. And I was living outside of the city. Came down to the city to hang out with some friends. And there was this girl. Every I kept hearing her name. Like, every time I went somewhere, it was like, it's this girl that looked just like you. It's this girl. I said hi to this girl. I thought it was you the other day. I'm like, don't nobody look like me like that. Like, not this nose, this gap, these eyes. One of them a little lazy. My eyebrows is cousins, not sisters. Like, nobody look like me. So when I seen this girl, as soon as she walked through the door, I'm like, you so-and-so. She said, and you A-B. I said, yep. She like, everybody tell me I look like you. Everybody tell me I look like you. And she did hair. So it was like really funny because... People were trying to book appointments with me. And I'm like, what do you want? What you want me to do? You are you soliciting my body? Because what I don't know what you want from me. Come to find out it's her doing hair. So fast forward 10 years. And um I had been like, in my opinion, I was the best friend to her that I had ever been to anybody in my entire life. I was down supportive if you was being stupid I would tell you you was being stupid if you needed support I was giving you support like I that was like my top tier friendship that I gave out and it took for me to be in this position as an author as an award-winning podcaster spoken word performer 
it took me to get in this position to realize I was her friend. She wasn't mine. I'd be goddamn. Now I didn't put all this into this friendship and now my feelings are hurt because I'm looking back over the friendship. She has never shown up for me. Dang, when I graduated from here, she wasn't there. When I won this award, she did not show up. When I had this birthday party, she ain't even do my hair for my 30th birthday party. She told me that she would, I had like a, my 30th birthday party was during the pandemic. Like it was smack dab as soon as everything had went bad. So I didn't, I couldn't have the party I wanted to have. I had something small and intimate. She told me, don't worry about that caterer. Go ahead and cancel them. I'm going to cook for your party. Baby, do you know she got to my party two hours late with no food? What? To my party, two hours late with no, to my 30th birthday, two hours late with no food. It took for another situation to happen. And this is where emotional intelligence kicks in. It took for another situation to happen where she showed me her true colors about somebody that I genuinely cared about for me to see that this is just her personality. This isn't just this circumstance or this situation. This is how she is. So I start reflecting. That's when I started picking up. You never showed up. When do you realize that it is okay to walk away from people who don't show up for you? Immediately. Yeah. Emotional intelligence is, yes, we were friends. We were the best of friends. I love you so much. I think you are a phenomenal hairstylist. I genuinely hope you get on the Tyler Perry movies and do them wigs better than they do in themselves because you deserve that. But what you do not deserve is me as your friend. Because it's not an equally beneficial thing. We're not equally yoked as friends. So you have to be smart in business and in your personal life or people will take advantage of you. It was a situation where she had the creativity. I knew the paperwork. So I can get the sponsorships. I can get the money. Uh, you got to go do, do what you do. Go do what you do. And I can get the money. So she seen that, picked up on it and use that to her advantage, which is what people do. But I need to be getting something of equal value in return for this to even be considered a friendship. Yes, people don't realize mutually beneficial is a thing. It doesn't matter what the relationship is. Like if I pay you for a service, I need that service, you need your money. That's the mutual yes. beneficial of it. Like you get yes. the money, I get the service, I get the service, you get the money. Everybody's happy. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what that thing is. And I don't know if it's kind of like a subsector for women, but we go through the fire with our friends, with our, with, um, excuse me, our significant others before we realize we being taken for a ride. Okay. We have to constantly go through that before we, you know, what I'm saying, ignite the EQ. Like this ain't this ain't mutually. This ain't this ain't clicking. This <laughs> math ain't mathing. <laughs> you hear me? I've had those friends, and for a long time, I could not figure out why I kept attracting those females. And then I put them up here, top tier friend. Bitch, you need me here. I come. You ain't got to worry about nothing. And they like, okay, oh, I got food. No, bitch, you had a friend. <laughs> okay, you had a friend. Girl, but I'm now fine. you are a fool. Hello. 
I had a friend when I say that was my girl. I had her, you need a car. If I got the money, bitch, we're gonna work it out. You need rides, you know, my cell phone broke, bitch. I get you another phone, whatever. My girl, like I was in a place where I needed somewhere to stay. She let me get the couch, you know, and it's just like all these different things where it she did just enough for it to look mutually beneficial. Ooh, baby, talk Funny. about that just enough. Funny. Bare minimums, bare minimum. Did you hear me? So then it got to a space, and I can't remember the straw that broke the camel's back, but I said, enough of this shit, enough of this shit. Did you hear me? And once I removed myself and you saw how much weight I carried in your life, things got different. And you reaching out to me after, like, I just fell back all the way because it got, it went left. You know, I'm going to have my sisters beat your ass. I don't have no people in this city. At this time, I was living in this city by myself. So I'm going to move smart. You know what I'm saying? I got kids. Okay. I got and I'm going to tell you like this. I'm in this city by myself. Your sister run up on me. I'm stabbing the shit out your sister. So, <laughs> and that, yeah, so I, I got myself, you know, just completely away from her. Went on with my life. You went on with yours. I think maybe a year or so passed. And you had to do that year without me. And you calling me trying to make amends. And, you know, hey, I need. I'm going to get whatever I need to get done to get you out of my life completely. I think it was a title to a vehicle or something. I'll meet you at DMV and we could be done. You know, I'm, I know. Because you had me. Like, yes. And it's like, it was strictly platonic. We were fucking. It wasn't nothing like, on the, you know what I'm saying? Like you was my home girl. <clears throat> and a lot of women, I had the flip side learn that they don't have the experience of a strong foundation in the platonic world. Too many women place their validities and values into a man. So when you have a friend that show up like that, you try to run with it like, oh, no, nah, bitch. You really feel like you got a fool. Like, no, baby, you don't know what a friend is. That's so sad. And then what we have to consider as well is a lot of these people, they don't come from the type of background that we come from. We had a strong family dynamic. Like, you have foster siblings. I had so many cousins. Baby, listen. Our cousins was the entire neighborhood. The whole neighborhood. Some way, somehow, was married to somebody. Then came from somebody else's kids. Like, they didn't have that. Like, they don't know what it means to be loyal. They don't have the spirit of discernment. They don't have respect for other people. The only thing they know is to take and take and take because people have only taken from them. And it's sad because at what point do you realize you're going to have to turn that way of thinking around or you're either always going to be by yourself. You are only going to attract people who use and abuse and disrespect you. You're going to end up in situations where you can't get yourself out of with a quick conversation. And who wants that? It's so much more to do. Acting like this because you believe in me to be operating on the same pedigree that you are. No, boo. Like, let me tell you, I had a friend, <clears throat> and this was back in like MySpace, Facebook conversion days. So she was dealing with this guy. And he had like a funny name because he was a promoter. So he started hollering at me. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you talked to my homegirl. He's like, nah, that's not me. So one night me and old girl is at this club. He's messaging me. So I'm like, come in the club. You don't, you don't talk to her, come in the club. And I never told her because I was trying to prove this shit. Mind you, she had the password to my accounts because her and I had a little business thing going on. <clears throat> so when it all hit the fan, he never came in the club, of course. She swore up and down that I was talking to him. Sis, why am I trying to bring him in this club? To, in your face. Let's just blow up his lie. 
but you believe that I'm the type of bitch that you are. So I, it took a long time to realize the things that people accuse you of is the way they operate. Baby, yeah, I ain't never exactly. lost a friend. I ain't never lost a friend. So whoever those women are that are no longer in my life, glad. It was so nice. We had some fun, baby. We had some fun. Right. We ain't going to discount that, but I ain't lose no friends. Okay. Not. Mm -mm. that's not how it go and then as far as family it can go down with them too because I think people get so wrapped up in oh but we family we blood that's this and that's that baby fathers have raped their daughters mothers have killed their sons that came out of their own coochies mm -hmm. you mean to tell me your auntie won't try to sleep with your man come on Come on, let's let's really think about it because regardless to what their title is, at the end of the day, they're still human. They still got a life outside of this family. They're actually more influenced by that life outside of this family than this family because where the hell y'all be at when they be going through stuff? Mm -hmm. Sitting right over here with me talking about they ass. So mm -hmm. I know you don't have that connection. So there is no way that you can tell me that it's not okay to cut some family off. It's necessary to cut some family off. It is absolutely necessary. You will put yourself in a position for family just because they're family that will have you asked out, broke, hungry, penniless, looking for a place to live, and they ain't got nothing for you but, a, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes. Like, people don't want to talk about, not, you know, personal experience. <clears throat> but as much as they say the black woman has to defend herself in all of these arenas, you will not defend yourself more than, a, than against an older black woman. Do you That's hear it. me? And you be like, you had your time. And your time is only up when you decide. You ain't got to hate me. And okay. what does your family feel of older black women? Come on now. That is the truth, okay? Even in this society that I like, the poet society, the poet scene that's here in Detroit, it's a lot of young people that are doing their thing. Like they got it. They got it. They got the stage presence. They got the wordplay. They have everything that you need to really be an award winning artist or to be the artist that you want to be, even if you never apply for an award. The older community. Baby, they treat them like they retarded. Wow. Like, I mean, full-fledged. They they treat them like they're nothing, like their talent, their art, their creativity is so far beneath them. And I'm trying to figure out what is it about your hurt that makes your art so special? Because we hurting too. We're hurting publicly at that. Y'all used to hurt behind closed doors. We're hurting all over the internet. Mm -hmm. We're hurting all over our neighborhoods. Anywhere that we go, somebody can point and be like, I seen that video. Did you? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so why not open up space for us to feel more comfortable, open up space for us to be ourselves, open up space for us to be able to bring the generation that's coming behind us because if we don't, it's going to be an angry generation that follows us. It's going to be an extremely angry generation that follows us because even with, I see it now and what's happening with this prom dress situation, how the older generation, like maybe 30 to 
40 are talking about how the prom girls are letting the boys stand on their dresses. They posing with guns. They doing all of, like they're going to piss that generation off because it's like, damn, what nobody on y'all head about what y'all doing? And y'all did a lot of this stuff. It just wasn't on the internet. So why are you dragging me for the same things that you've done? It just wasn't public. That we have to do better with bridging the gap in our community as far as the generations because it's so much that we can learn from each other. It's so much that I learned from funny story. Like, and I'm it's funny because I talk about my grandma, like my granny is my best friend. And back in the day, so you know, Detroit was like Motown. That's where <laughs> everything was popping off at. So my grandmother, my great grandmother owned the studio. And a lot of the artists from Motown were coming to her studio. So my grandma ended up dating David Ruffin for a long time. Like the house that she living in right now, David Ruffin bought for it. So we sitting and we talking and we just going over like the stuff that she did back in the day. And like so many people would tell me about like how my grandma was back in the day. They said she pulled up one day in one car and had to run in the house because it was two cars coming up the street that she recognized that was coming to pick her up for another day. She had just got dropped off for a day. She said by the time she went upstairs and changed clothes, so when she came back to the window, it was six cars of men lined up waiting to take her out. I said, first of all, Grandma, you was a hoe, but we ain't got to talk about that right now. We discussed that on the last day, baby. You was a hoe. You was a good hoe, but you was a hoe. It's all right, Madam. <laughs> But she, um, we went from talking about that to David Ruffin's funeral. So I, we had never discussed his funeral before. I just knew that they had dated. I didn't even know that they were dating or in connection when he had passed. So she said that she got dressed to go to the funeral. His assistant or his ex-assistant had came to pick her up. They were going to go stand in line. So his family was, now remind you, his family had their issues as well, but they still had came together for this. His family had seen her and was like, uh, Miss Linda, you know, come to the front. So now she's sitting up at the front of David Ruffin's funeral. And I, I'm thinking, this is so cool. Like she's telling me this story. And I'm just like, Grandma, like, I know who you want to leave. That David Ruffin, like my dog, like... You was at the front of his funeral as the girlfriend, sis. Like, you got to connect with those older generations to get those cool-ass stories and to see where you get your pimping from. Like, you never know. Yes. You could be a lame because your grandparents was a lame. You don't even know that because you ain't asked no questions. You could be a hoe because your grandparents was hoes. You don't know that because you don't ask no questions. You got to bridge the gap. You definitely feel like me. I was at the the other day at the funeral. I said, Oh, child, I gotta sit down. I said, Yes, ma'am. You know, she went in front of me and did her thing. And then she just started talking. And when I say wisdom after wisdom after wisdom, because a lot of people will tell me, Yo, you you wise for your age. Like I'm 33. One, when the elders talk, I shut the fuck up. Okay. Period. Okay. <laughs> when I'm going through my life storms, I also shut the fuck up and I retreat. Like I isolate myself because there's something to be taught here. People don't understand that sometimes even on the younger side, you get into something with the elders and you think that's a place for you to be combating and trying to tell them something. Ah, that's cool. You can teach the elders something. But if you just quiet long enough, I tell you last night, 
I was at a restaurant. I stepped outside to smoke my vape. And it was a younger guy. He was standing in front of me, but he was very tall. I'm five two. So one of the older guys come up and say, he'll stand in front of a lady like that. And he just kind of went in and was dropping jewels. And these are things that I knew, but he had to give it to that youngin. Youngin wasn't going to hear from him. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, ma'am. And it's just those minor instances. If you quiet long enough, you're going to get what you need. Like you spoke about the spirit of discernment. And initially, especially when I was Christian, I struggled with that. But then I had to learn that my wisdom is often given to me in those spaces when I can shut the fuck up and hear what somebody has to give me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She was like, I'm a mother of six boys and this, that, and the third. And that's when I knew to get quiet. I said, well, I got four boys, ma'am. She went in. As much as people try to sit like they think they're doing something wrong and they parents. She said, I got two of them that can't stay out of jail, baby. It ain't on you. And I said, look, I don't have any adult kids yet. Thankfully, we ain't been through the prison system yet. Honestly, I wouldn't be shocked, though, for one of them, okay? And it is what it is. But at the end of the day, I tell my kids, life is a bunch of fucking choices. It ain't got nothing to do with how you raise. Because you can see me in some places, and you'd be like, I don't know Sandra didn't raise you like that. No, she didn't. But I got my own mind. I want to make my own decisions. I got to go learn the hard way. I found my trouble on my own. Thank you very much. You know, they wake all that shit up and try to blame the parents. Man, you can't do that, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so beautiful to have that encounter. But I'm going to segue because there was something else you spoke about. And um, if we were termed the ghetto sophisticated. And I know you talked about like kind of being in that space. So my first thought there as a black woman, especially one with a bunch of kids, when I find myself in certain arenas, they try to handle me, right? And they wait for me to shrink. Like, I don't know what I'm talking about, right? So, I, you know, I listen, because I want to take this in, because how dumb do you think I am? Yep. And then when I switch over on their ass and I drop that vocabulary. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who's that? <laughs> Whose mask is this? <laughs> you think because I got a tattoo on my face and some other shit that I don't know nothing. Wrong, bitch. Wrong bitch. You might have had the right idea, but the wrong bitch. And let me tell you, because I work in mental health, I'm a counselor, and I work in these people's homes. So I see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I do have a lot of Black people on my caseload, and a lot of people who are undereducated in this and the third. So I'll sit back. I think I was at like a social security meeting. I'm sitting back assisting a young man. And they were handling him. And I sat back long enough to see how he could handle himself. Because some lessons life does have to teach you. That's when I right. split up to that counter and I helped that gentleman out across that glass, you better speak to him like you got some sense. And I cannot stand to see another Black person handling the younger generation or the undereducated. Just because you made it, bitch. Don't forget where you come from. Because we all didn't start. And then turn around and talk to them musty, mouth, tight-lipped, white people about it oh baby i'll be ready to meet him in the parking lot like what's up you need a black history lesson i know it ain't february but what's up like it's cringeworthy because how, how we get here how did we get here and i just cannot stand that so i love i love to be the ghetto sophisticated and yeah i grew up in the suburbs but i'm black baby <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah. i am black I say ignorant and not ignorant but i know the definition i can properly spell it okay. But let me say, because when I say it, people will be laughing. Like, you know, it's this. I know what I said. And I'm standing on it. (laughs) That's actually how I coined the term uh, ghetto intellectual. Because, baby, listen. I may or may not do some ghetto shit. But 
I can also read you from the hood to Hollywood and you will never know where it came from. Just understand that one side of my family was killers, dealers, and you know what I'm saying? Like they was with all the shit. The other side, all of them were Ivy Leaguers, doctors. Like I was able to get the best of both worlds. My dad literally spent the first 11 years of my life in prison for robbing banks and kidnapping. My mom during those 11 years, she was in school. She was going to work. My aunts in school, going to work, already had degrees, working as doctors, working as professors. Like it was really the ability to see both sides of things. And you, it's worse for me because I got to see the ghetto side with the older generation and the younger generation and the Ivy Leaguers with the older generation and the younger generation. And there was no difference. There was no difference in how they handled the people under them. And I didn't understand that. And that was when that was the turning point for what I had learned in emotional intelligence as far as applying it to my life. Your, your value is based on kindness. You cannot be worth anything if you treat people like shit. You can have all the money in the world and not be worth what my grandma would call a rusty nickel if you don't treat people good. So as much as they were learning on that Ivy League side, they never learned how to be kind, but they had all the money. They figured out how to be kind, but in a nasty way. You know what I'm saying? It was also condescending. It was also rude. It was also, well, figure it out on your... And I didn't like that. So I had to find the median and learn how to just be kind, to open myself up to possibilities and perspectives. Can't hear you. Hold on, I can't hear you. Say something. 